0: The names you know, this is the names I You want me to be that type of dude, and I. The days I know podcast. Uh, small crew today. You just have me, and you have uh, Dan. How's it going, Dan? Not too bad. Can't
1: really complain about uh, last week of August, and we're getting temps in the seventies. Like this is this is prime <laughs> Minnesota weather here. It does make me just like ten percent even more frustrated that the state fair isn't happening. Because can you imagine this as fair weather? This is perfect, man.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I can't necessarily agree with you. I'm, I am a, uh, I love, uh, the heat. So I don't know why I live in Minnesota, but <clears throat> my wife appreciates it. So and I know you do. So, and lots of people in Minnesota, um, for some reason love 75 and like just that for the rest of the rest of time. So hoodie and shorts, was, man, Ho- hoodie and shorts is the perfect weather for me. That's yeah. That's not, that's not terrible. Not a terrible idea. Um, <clears throat> All right, well, we're going to sort of jump into things. We have uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. We are probably not going to record a podcast between our Wednesday game and our Sunday game, so we're going to sort of preview both the Wednesday and Sunday matches for you. So we had a lot to talk about. Um, but always visit patreon.com uh, slash the days I know if you're not already a, a contributor to our Patreon. Um, lots of cool stuff there. We're kicking out some new stuff, uh, or trying to get new stuff out every week or so. Uh, we actually put out a, a Community Shield preview Last week, my myself and Dan, um, that went out just to the uh, the Patreon folks. So, uh, patreon.com, backslash the Daves I Know, to help support the Daves that you know. All right, well, let's jump into it. Uh, first off, uh, what the hell just happened? Uh, we lost FC Dallas uh, down in Dallas 3-1 to uh, on Saturday night. Apparently, it was 106 degrees at kickoff, <laughs> or thereabouts. So, much much hotter than up here. Um but yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that game. Um, first off, I just want to point out: uh, Did you see what Luchi Gonzalez was wearing? Uh, the like dashiki thing that he was wearing.
1: Yeah, and, and like. I hope he ran that by his players and was like, is this good? Like, like, do you want me to do this? Because if they're on board with it, I'm on board with it. But if he just, like, rolled up to the game and was like, what up, guys, in that? I bet he got side-eyed I'm, real hard because sure that he, was a
0: statement. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Apparently there was an interview on MLSoccer.com afterwards where he talked about his kids were wearing something similar. It's like his wife had got it for him. And so I'm guessing his wife must must be of, of African descent or something. There must, be some, there must be some reason. And plus they love – Apparently these kids like the Black Panthers, the, you know, Black Panthers, their favorite, uh, their favorite movie. Um, obviously, Chadwick Boseman passed away over the, on Friday, which is uh, sad and, and terrible news. Um, but man, Luchi Gonzalez is a goddamn smoke show, man. That dude yeah, is an attractive, him. attractive man. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It, so It is perhaps the one
1: uh, aspect of the coaching change from Oscar Pereja to Lucci Gonzalez, where Dallas really did go from strength to strength. Uh, because as good as Luchi Gonzalez is as the coach, he's not as good as Oscar Pereira. But those men are both exceedingly attractive.
0: That's that's true. So we were, when I was at uh, the Black watching the game, and I was sitting next to uh, Wes, um, and I think it was during halftime or during the extended delay, and we were talking about Luchi Gonzalez and, and all and all that, and he was like, so "Luchi Gonzalez played for the Minnesota Stars, I think, way 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 oh, back wow. when," um, and he said. <laughs> And I can't remember what the date was, but Brent was or um, sorry, uh, Wes was talking to I believe it was Brian Coleman, who's been on this podcast. And this is a while, this is like last year or two years ago or whatever. And he's like, yeah, um, you know, back in I think it was 2008 or whatever when or maybe it was maybe it was the Thunder, maybe he was playing for the with the Thunder. He's like, the only two people who wore skinny jeans in Minnesota at that time were Prince and Lucci Gonzalez. <laughs> so, head scans, <laughs> man. Betray any trust. Yeah, it definitely is. He definitely does. He is a, he's a very, very attractive man. Um, what was not attractive. And speaking of segues uh, how Minnesota United played in that very first, uh, first half, they came out in the, uh, the pads into four, two, three, one. Lude uh, got to start over Dotson um, back to the format, the formation that Inchi really, really loves. And uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. Um, now, granted, both of the Dallas goals, and we'll talk very briefly about them, but both the Dallas goals were amazing, amazing shots. Uh, you know, they created space and, and took, you know, good angles. Nothing. I don't think that, you know, Greg Roget Singh shouldn't have uh, got a hand on or, or made him a little, made a little more difficult, but first goals in the 11th minute, uh, Fafa Pico, um, you know, he sort of ran at Romain Metnier. and Pico had, in spoiler alert, he's my, my Freddie do start of the game for for FC Dallas. He had an awesome game, um, just going at Romain Metnir all night. Metonier, um, much like that uh, um, uh, Orlando City goal, um, gave him too much space. He was able to cut inside and uh, and blasted a shot past uh, Greg Ruggsitt Singh. And then, less than about ninety seconds later, actually, Jesus Ferreira um, received a pass from Pico, who sort of had clear. Uh, had, um, um, switch the fields over to uh, the right side to uh, uh, Rajat Singh's left. And again, kind of uh, for a cut inside and scored on the other side of the goal. Um, anything you want to say about those two goals or that first half generally?
1: Um, I thought the the point you just made about it being a carbon copy of the Orlando goal that Nani scored, where Sonny Dotson had backed off too much, uh, is well taken. I think that's a that's a dead on uh, accurate assessment. Um Metnair should be a better defender than Dotson, and Fafa Pico is nowhere near as good as Nani, which makes this – Pico's no Nani, yes. Pico's (laughs) no Nani. And, like, that's not really a slap at him. Nani's just, like, an all-time great player, and Pico's not there yet. Um, Honestly, like, first couple minutes of the game, I thought United had a bunch of energy. They really came out. And I don't know if it was the heat. I don't know if it was a bad week of practice. I don't know what it was. But this team just looked rotted. They, like, everything about the choices that they were making looked wrong. They looked, they, they looked, I don't want to say, like, I hate it when commentators use phrases like disinterested or bored because it's like a moral judgment on the players. And I don't want to go that far, but they clearly were not up for this game. There was a piece missing in the preparation. I don't know what it was. But this was the 2017 half that Minnesota United has played since 2017. Like, yeah. it's, it's exactly what happened that season in most of 18 where they would give up an okay goal. Yeah, I agree with you. Greg should have done a little bit better there. Um, but, you know, maybe that goal still get scored on Vito or Tyler Miller, whatever. It's that second goal. It's that you switch off. You know, everybody hangs their head. You turn the ball over, and it's in the back of the net again, and that's game. Like, we'll get into this here in just a second. But United looked not just competent. They looked good in the second half. They looked like they could go on and win that game. If that's a one nothing win, Dotson's banger in the 55th equalizes it, and Minnesota gets the second goal. I firmly believe that. But yeah. as it was, they were even with the four subs, they were running at a two-goal deficit, and they played like it.
0: Yeah, uh, to your point, Heath had actually mentioned even in the, in the postgame press comments that he thought that this was the best week of practice that they've had all year. So it clearly – it wasn't something for practice it was something else entirely so let's yeah. jump to that so second half so the kickoff of second half was actually delayed by about 45 minutes uh for lightning um teams The guys actually were getting ready to go out and there's a lightning strike so that the um second half kicked off 45 minutes later now i'm assuming that adrian had you know it sounded like based on the halftime talk that these four subs are going to happen regardless i'm not sure if if the extra 45 minutes, they had to sit and stew in, in, the, in the shit that they had just, uh, you know, uh, shat upon themselves. Uh, but we made four subs at the halftime. Edwards came in for Molino, Chacon for Finlay, Dotson for Lude, and Toy for Amaria. Uh, the team switched up to a four, more or less a four-three-three, 3 3 And uh, it was completely evident from the from the first kick of the second half that Minnesota was a totally different team with the, uh, with the young guys on the pitch. So uh, within 10 minutes, we get, we get that amazing Dotson banger, which, you know, I don't, I haven't seen most of the other MLS goals from the, from the weekend, but that's gotta be up there for, for goal of the week. I mean, that was just a fucking rocket from, from nowhere, you know? Um, and I saw a stat that like, of his like five goals that he scored, four have come from outside, like outside the box. So like dude just hits fucking bangers. Well, it's not even like,
1: just like on the edge of the box.
0: No. I mean, he, yeah. he's shooting. He's he's the he does say he's like it's the Steph
1: Curry thing, where it's like, yeah, it still only counts as one, but that's a long ass goal. He's taking
0: from like thirty five yards out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's insane. He, and and Maurer, you would think with that amount of time, Maurer could have shuffled once and dove, but that, that ball had so much velocity on it. Maurer had no chance. It was unsavable. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, and then almost immediately afterwards, um, Raheem Edwards with a with a, a great shot those, awesome. so we, hit, we hit multiple posts in the second half, to, to, to your point about how Minnesota actually looked like the significantly better team. Um, and then Mason Toy had uh, forced uh, Mauer to make a great save less than 10 minutes after Dotson's goal. So in the span of about 10 minutes, we could have had three goals. Um, we only ended up with one, and we ended up losing the game 3-1. Uh, to one. We gave up a, a, a penalty in the 98th, uh, an extra time in the 6th minute of extra time. Uh, Red to put it in um, to make it 3-1 to be the final. Um, but we definitely had some chances. And the, definitely that second half was a lot chippier. Um, you know, Minnesota had three yellow cards to uh, FC Dallas' one yellow card. But definitely was um, uh, a much better second half. So anything you want to say about the second half? Yeah. It, one of the fascinating things to
1: me about this was if in the first half the team looked lethargic and, and maybe not quite there, in the second half, and I attribute a lot of this to Edwards. Although Chacon was was another great guy for it, they, there was energy. Like they, there was a desire to be on the pitch. They were running hard. On Dotson's goal, Edwards does the dog work, gets a turnover uh, before Dallas can flip the other direction. One pass to Gray Goose, Gray Goose. One pass to Dotson, Dotson. One touch banger, and it's so quick. But none of it happens without Edwards doing the hard, gritty work of pulling that ball away from Dallas. And just for the, the whole rest of the half, Minnesota made made everything hard for Dallas. So even when Dallas was start actually retaining the ball, starting to get into the attack, they were they were really having to work and find that extra pass. Yeah. And it just looked so completely different. I loved uh, when the fight between Chase Gasper and it Jesus Ferreira that he even Ferreira, did. Ferreira,
0: yeah, yep, Ferreira. Um,
1: when that started, one, cheap shot by Ferreira that I wish the the official had done a little more with. Uh, but two, I, the first guy over there getting ready to fight was Shacone, and I'm here for that. Yeah. I'm totally here, totally here for that, dude. Um, I was all ready to be like, yes, this was this amazing, like, step of maturity for Chase Gasper because he took a cheap shot, but it, he didn't let it get to him, and he didn't get a stupid yellow, and then, like, 25 seconds later, he got a stupid yellow. So it's the same old, same yellow, old yep. Chase guy. Yeah, it's the same old Chase yep. Gasper. It's always
0: yeah. Ch- um, Chacon looked really good. Chacon was doing, uh, was doing the, you know, we talked about some of that dirty work. Chacon was going back. He was going back and, and getting possession. Um, he had so much more creativity than he had more creativity in that one in that one forty five minutes of play than Robin Ludes had his entire time with with Minnesota United. Um, I, but- don't wanna, I don't want to. I don't want to blame Robin Lude for the first half because he didn't play any
1: any. More worse. Yikes. Let's try English again. He didn't play any worse than uh, Molino or Finley or Amaria. But that was yeah. his half. The team looked like him. They yeah. looked plotting. They looked over deliberate. And they looked like they couldn't compete with Dallas. And I'm, I'm totally willing to say that at least some of that was the heat. Because 106 is just horrible. Like, humans aren't meant to live those conditions so i don't let alone play soccer right? so uh,
0: <laughs> i mean that's yeah that's fair but you know you, you you fucking know that right like so maybe play the you know start the kids or you know i i mean i, I guess under um i don't know I, just, I i both teams are playing the same fucking conditions and yes dallas practices in that so they're much more used to playing in 106 degree heat but you you know you know it's going to be hot out you, you you're going to need to know that you're going to need to do something different. Uh, out there. And then the other the other sort of, we, we, we haven't really talked about it, but Mason Toy, compared to what, I mean, Amaria was completely non-existent. So one, one of the actually, the facts and this sort of gets into our sort of extra time stuff, uh, I don't think I wrote this down in the notes, but the, those front four didn't have any uh, any passes into the final third of, of FC Dallas in the first half. Not a single pass into the final third in the first half between the, the four starters, Melino, Finley, Lude, and Amaria. Um, you know, they had, three in the first ten minutes in with one of the Brown youngsters. And maybe that was because maybe it was a formation switch up. Um, you know, maybe Gonzalez was not prepared for that uh, four 3 three with, you know, basically Chacon uh, and Edwards sort of just running and, and doing those things where they, you know, crossing crossing to each other's other sides of the field. Um, with Lude and with Molino and Finley, you kind of have their kind of in their lanes, right? So they don't really they don't really interchange. But when you have like Chacon and Dotson and uh, Edwards, they're all interchanging, right? So they're they they're swapping swapping sides of the field. They're they're going deep, um, and so maybe that like maybe maybe if they would have started with the fourth or three, with you know, save, saving these four guys on the pitch, um, you know, Dallas would have had a, a better answer for it. At least it was at least it was something, and and Toy was just you know was able to do a lot more with a lot, lot less than what Ambria was able to do. And um, that, you know, we'll go to a question here in a second. But I just want to point out a couple of, uh, of stats here. Unless you have anything else you want to say about, about the second half of the match.
1: No, I think we, we've pretty well capitalized on it. Um, I thought Musa prior to the penalty, actually looked pretty decent. So it's nice to know that that he's a capable defender. It's a shame that that he got that penalty, and it was certainly the correct call. But, yeah. you know, it's just – going into the season, one of the things that we heard about was – depth the, this was the best depth we've had and this is you know this team is so deep um, and I think we saw that on Saturday but we it doesn't feel like we're getting the most out of it like inch should be doing a lot if, if the depth is as good as, as people are saying it is and that's within the team people are saying it is there needs to be a lot more squad rotation and I think we absolutely saw that
0: yeah, and we should see that uh, this week with uh, two games um, in a few days. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, just a couple things. So Dallas hadn't scored a goal in 281 minutes until they scored two in 90 seconds, which is a, a fun fact. Um, third game in a row that Minnesota had more possession. Now, to be fair, Dallas had the majority of the possession in the first half um, and then basically just let Minnesota take possession in the second half. So I don't really know if that <clears throat> feeds into our theory about possession and stuff. Um, cause basically Dallas bossed Minnesota in the first half, uh, you know, Minnesota wasn't able to press and Dallas just decided that they were going to, you know, push and score. And then, you know, once they got those two goals, they're like, all right, well, we're, we can just kind of sit back and not worry about, uh, just, you know, solidify our defense. And it again, really did almost cost them. Yeah, it did. Um, again, Minnesota had 23 crosses with a 17% accuracy. That is not going to win you a lot of games. Uh, this is Dallas's first win in six months. Uh, obviously, oh. did not did not play in in the, any of the uh, MLS back tournament, but literally six months of the day since they got their first their last win. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, this so this kind of leads us into some questions, but we'll 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 save those. This is only the second victory it since the restart for Minnesota. Um, obviously beat San uh, San Jose and Sporting Kansas City in the MLS back tournament, um, but. You know, we looked so good coming out of the gate. Uh, in, in March, people were talking about this as a te- potential—you know—you uh, know—not only a playoff team, but a team that could well host a playoff game, could contend for MLS Cup. You know, then everybody sort of poo-poo's the team with Eichelpar out. They make that run in the in the MLS's back uh, tournament, make it to the semifinals, and now all of a sudden, the narrative is back: is Minnesota just not as good as we thought they were?
1: And it's really hard to disagree with that, right? Like. Coming back from MLS's back, Minnesota hasn't shown anything. There's nothing that, that we can say, okay. So yeah, the, the loss to Kansas City was X, but then they corrected that against Dallas and just were not lucky. I mean, they looked oh. sloppy against sporting Kansas City, mm-hmm. and so did Sporting Kansas City. So the results maybe yeah. not totally indicative of the game, but still it's a fair result. And then they go down to Dallas and get absolutely buggy whipped in the first half. So I like I know I know. It's a favorite trope for the commentators. It's a joke we've made that all oh, this team's is always the underdog, but they just consistently give people a reason to doubt them, and that's what's happening again. Like, and we'll talk about this with with Houston and with RSL. Like, you look at the form those two teams are on, and you look at the way that they go after defenses, and it gets really hard to say Minnesota United's taken four points from those games.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, did someone, can someone tell, um, the team that they don't have to be shit in order, like they can just be, they can continue to have that underdog mentality fed to them by Adrian Heath. They don't have to actually like go out and be shit at very matches for like everybody to say, oh, they're shit now. Like just, you know, feed off that stuff without actually having to do the shit part. So, um, all right. <clears throat> Let's talk quickly about our, uh, our Freddie Aduce for Minnesota and for Dallas, uh, and then we'll jump in. I have a few questions, and then we have a few questions from, uh, from the listeners as well. So, uh, let's we'll start Minnesota, Freddie Aduz. Um, who you got? Uh, I'm going to
1: shout out Raheem Edwards. Uh, mostly touched on on what I felt like he brought. Uh, man, one more coat of paint on that post. That ball ricochets in, and we have a 2-2 game, uh, you know, in the – what is that? The, before the 60th minute. Yeah, the 58th I, minute, 59th 50-
0: minute,
1: yeah. And, and Minnesota United with their tails up and running. So that's just, it's really bad luck. But he looked so good. Um, tipping my hand on the shitty Freddie you do for Dallas. Uh, he made Nelson's life miserable down that side. <laughs> yeah. Just ran at him and ran through him. So, uh, but also shout out Ozzy Alonso. I thought this was uh, one of the most Ozzy Alonso performances we've seen, even including MLS's back. Um, absolutely took, uh, in the second half, Took the middle of the field away from Dallas. Um, every time they tried to go that direction, he was just ruining guys. So those are my two.
0: Yeah, I <clears throat> I'm a little leery with Ozzy. If you you know, with the when you give up two goals in 90 seconds, that I think a little bit of that's on your captain to make sure everybody's heads are heads are correct. But other yeah, than, other true. than other, other than that, like maybe two minute stretch, I think Ozzy had a, had, a, had a pretty good game as well. Um, I went with obviously Dotson. Um, the goal scorer the dude just you know um looked great uh for most of the game um or for the 45 minutes that he was on uh on the pitch and again when you score a fucking banger like that from 35 yards out you get the you get the Freddie Adu uh start of the game and then we both had uh we both had Kevin Molino for our shitty player um it wasn't so much that he was shitty it's just I I don't think we heard his name called at all in the first half like he was completely he has like disappeared from from the from the field.
1: Yeah, uh, he actually was actively shitty, I think. Okay. Um, like he was the the guy in the the in that attacking four that just consistently got the ball and turned it over. Um, he was he was dropping he, leads
0: all over the place.
1: He was dropping leads all over the place. Like he was he was trying to do I don't know if he was trying to do too much, if he was just kind of being a little too sloppy with it, what was going on, but it was constantly Kevin Oleno gets the ball and tries, to, tries a one-touch pass that, that is right to a Dallas defender or uh, he tries to dribble two guys and doesn't beat past the first one. Like It was, it was just this constant – wa- like I wanted 50% more sharpness from him and, I, and, like, some of that is Kevin Molino, right? You know, he's a guy who, when he's on his game, and we saw this in MLS's back tournament, is totally un, undefendable. Uh, he can dribble guys. He can read the right pass. But when, he's, when he doesn't have that sharpness, the ball just doesn't go anywhere good. It's, it's not that he can even – or I shouldn't say he can't. He doesn't play – good passes he plays aggressive cool passes and if they come off awesome and if they don't we're hosed so i just i watched that guy get the ball and lose it and get the ball and lose it and it felt like all 45 minutes um so i'll preface this i actually missed the game live uh beer happened uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a much needed vacation uh, from my own brain but so i watched i walked into my viewing of the game knowing exactly what happened and i was unprepared for just how horrid the attack was and for me that was basically kevin molino um gray wasn't good either but he was so much better in the second half that it makes me think that this was a this is a molino problem this is an houria problem i honestly yeah. i thought i think kevin molino is so bad was so bad i shouldn't say is was so bad in that game it makes it difficult to, to tell exactly how bad luisa maria was
0: that's fair that's fair yeah gregos was sort of my second choice there just because he was also had a particularly uh maybe his worst game as a, as a minnesota united player from you know post his like his quick start with the team uh when he was thrown in like thrown to the wolves um yeah, Toronto. Right, was, Toronto was always my floor for him when he gets the That's red true. card. Like he was
1: awful. <laughs> he That's was true. rancid. True.
0: All right, let's let's do uh, let's do Dallas quick. Uh, I mean, I had Fafa Pico um, goal. Uh, he scored the goal. Uh, he had the assist on the game winner. Um, he just he looked great and he he owned Metnir and we don't see Metnir get owned very often uh, in in MLS uh, specifically. And he and Pico. Uh, had Metnir in his back pocket pretty much the entire game. So I'm going to give it to Pico.
1: Yeah. And Pico is the right answer. Um, I'll mention Jimmy Maurer who looked pretty calm. Um, he was not planning. Three, save, on... three
0: saves, I believe. So... Three, yeah. Uh,
1: and, and the one on Toy, again, was it such a, a consequential part of the game. It was a great save. You know, he's a former Cosmo, so fuck him forever. But uh... <laughs> God, I
0: fucking hate Jimmy Maurer,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to point out that, like, when Dallas absolutely needed their keeper to step up, he did.
0: Yep. Uh, who's your shitty player for Dallas? You mentioned him already.
1: Yeah, it, it's Nelson. Uh, and he wasn't bad in the first half. It's just that uh, Raheem Edwards was as uh, – he had Nelson in his back pocket the way Paco had met in his. So, yep. turnabout is fair play sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, I, you know, I, I didn't see too much in terms of, like, shitty players. I mean, I – uh, Andrasek was um, for, you know, their, their uh, Amaria-esque player was pretty much non-existent um, for uh, the first half and, and he was a quick sub in the second half. So I was just, I give it to him just because he had to give it to somebody. So, all right. So I have a, have a bunch of questions. Uh, some of them are uh, related to, or uh, from our, our listeners. Some of them are sort of things that I kind of threw out there. Um, so let's start... Here, uh, so this is uh, we have a, a question. Uh, Several people ask about um, Dane Saint Clair. Uh, so Josh, uh, from two hundred to one hundred degrees, what's the heat meter on Dane taking over for Greg? The mouthful. Uh, he doesn't want to write, type "Rajin Singh" into uh, into the Twitter machines. Um, uh, Chris be asked, "Do you start DSC?" My question was, "Are we done with Greg the Cat?" Um, what do you think? Is, is we you know those goals weren't 100% on him per se but he's had he, he's he made some mistakes in this morning Kansas City game his positioning hasn't been great dane st-clair has been good um, out on loan to san antonio and then last year in at madison does doesn't make sense to give dane uh, dane the the reins on either wednesday or saturday or sunday i'm presuming you know you're not going to you know whoever gets to start on Wednesday is probably going to get to start on Sunday. I don't see them probably rotating goalies, but has, has Greg shown enough that he's not deserving of that uh, starting spot anymore? Do you? I, the, the hard thing
1: with, with Runjit Singh is that he hasn't shown much, period. Um, you know, in the sporting game, I thought he could have played better. Again, in this game, does, a, does a, a good MLS caliber goalie stop either of those balls? I don't really know. But he's also – he hasn't done anything that makes me say, oh, my gosh, he's so great. And actually, he did get bailed out once in this game. Uh, there was a ball in the middle of the first half where he came too far out and Aha did not look up, and they actually ran into each other. Uh, and, and they were ended, up, ended up getting bailed out by the ref. But that's one of those plays where you go, okay, there are pieces missing with this. Um, th-
0: Honestly, I think- like I- – go ahead. I, was, I will say he, Rodgers, he did make a, a pretty good save um, in the second half after we had tied, after we had made the score two to one camera, um, who was on goal. Um, he came out and and, and made a, a good solid body save to to prevent Dallas from going up three to one. I think this is just before toys, um, toys uh, shot. So there was, he did make, you know, he did have one good save like that. I just, I don't. So this to, to answer the question. I think, if I, if it was up to me, if I was the manager, um, I I would have Dane in there. Too. I would have Dane in there just because, you know, you I think here's the thing. You know what you have with Greg, with Greg right? He's very much like Bobby Shuttleworth. You know what you have, right? There's nothing, there's nothing. It's not like he's such a great distributor of the ball that you can, you put up with some of the, it, you know, neuroses or you put up with some of the, the, the bad positioning because he distributes the ball so well, right? He's a, Greg Singh is a capable backup goaltender, right? Yeah, in MLS. Yep.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like
0: Dane, Dane St. Clair could potentially be, like you know, he's potentially, you know, he could be in the mix for Canada's, um, uh, you know, their uh, World Cup qualifying team, right? He's there's there's he's still young enough that he could potentially like, go somewhere um, in Europe. Um, I, I think you got to see what you have with Dane St. Clair. You got to give him the reins. And you got to let him, you got to let him go. If it was between Dane and Tyler Miller, then maybe, uh, then maybe I'd say, okay, well, let's stay with the guy we, that we know we have, right. We know we're, 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 we're trying to compete for playoff spots and we're trying to compete to host a playoff game. Then maybe you say, okay, well, uh, well, we won't play St. Clair. if He's you know, he's the backup for some reason. But with, when you have a guy who's basically a backup MLS goalkeeper and uh, you know a prospect like Saint Clair, who's who's not just a prospect. He's shown you he can he can play at the USL level. At least you got to give him a shot in MLS.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And and I'll I'll add two things to what you said. All of which was was totally accurate. Um, I will briefly note that Canada, a little bit like the US in the early 2000s, has just an embarrassment of riches at goalie. There are so yeah. many good Canadian goalies right now. And DS, so DSC may well be in that mix, but he's going to have to fight for his spot. I think. Look, I think you run with DSC because. I don't – he is unlikely to be worse than Greg is. He is not going to cost you games that Greg would have won you otherwise. Uh, but the one thing I will add is if you're going to flip to him, don't don't give him two games. And I guess that that's the one thing that makes me somewhat uneasy about getting away from Ranjit Singh so quickly is one of the things that Vito did incredibly well last year, and obviously Opar was a huge part of this, was – the defense knew each other. They knew him. He was commanding them. He was a great leader from the back, but that relationship that takes time. And so giving Greg two games where he doesn't play great, the defense doesn't play great behind him. And then saying, well, clearly like you're not up to this level, maybe a little bit premature. Uh, That said either DSC, DSC is getting nothing where he is right now. So I was totally fine with him on loan and if the team thought that they were going to go with Greg full-time, they should have just found another backup goalkeeper. Because what DSC – and we had this conversation with Chacon last week – just needs minutes. He yeah. has to be able to show what he's going to do. So the, if you think there is any chance that Dane St. Clair is your starting goalkeeper on day one next year, you have to give him the minutes now or that future will never happen. So, yeah. It, and it, So I would go with DSC, but not because – Greg Ranchi saying is terrible or a drain on the team or anything like that. It's just with the reality of where St. Clair is, where the team is likely to be in one, two, three years. I think with Miller's hip injury, you just, you have to look and say, you know, give, give the kid the keys and see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, for sure. That is a hundred percent. I think if you gotta, like I said, Greg is a perfectly adequate keeper who can step in if St. Clair gets a red card or he gets hurt for some reason, but I think you gotta, you gotta give the keys, uh, keys uh, to the kids. So speaking of giving the keys to the kids, uh, how much of a, this is my question, how much of a damning indictment is it? Is the complete swap of the attack and when, and when can Edwards get a fucking start? <laughs> Hashtag free everyone. Um, I guess this goes back to sort of what we talked about a little earlier. and I don't know if there's much more we wanted to expound upon just the the, you know, the damning indictment of the four players. And again, like I said, that, that stat did have a, a pass into the final third of Dallas in the first half. And then just how completely different and how completely changed the team looked when, um, when the young kids came in. So, and again, maybe that's a combination of Dallas, not, you know, cause Dallas isn't good. So maybe like, maybe we're like, we're overthinking this a little bit too. Like Dallas is not great. And we just played really shittily. And, um, had no energy. Those guys had no energy, and all four of them, for some reason, collectively had no energy, or were not able to get each other up. And maybe this is all a mirage, but I think um, seeing what we've seen, and this maybe sort of kind of leads into a, a, our discussions later in the podcast. But like, what do we? I mean, can, can can we can and and can Edwards get a fucking start? And and who is it at the expense of? Right? Is it at the expense of Lude? Because Edwards has played on the left. Um, his previous uh, um, Montreal and, and uh, Toronto and his other, can you think he's done on three other t- one other team? He started on the left. He's a, he's right footed, so he's been he was playing sort of inverted over there on the left. Um, so I don't necessarily Ethan Finley hasn't done. I think hasn't done hasn't been shitty enough to to, to merit not getting a start. I think but certainly Robin Lude has, and maybe you could put Edwards on the left and, and hoping that he sort of is able to sort of invert and cut in. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I, jumping back to the, the question, the really core question of like how big an indictment is this to me, this should be the final straw. Like at no point, including the San Jose games, has this team been really good on offense. They have been good enough. Uh, they have been a defense first team that counterattacks well, and they've been incisive. That's awesome. But it's not like the offense carries this team or does anything that's remarkable. Um, you know, for a hot minute, Iko Parra was the leading scorer on this team because he scored two-headed goals again against, uh, yeah. against San Jose. And so it's strange to me that we talk about these, those four guys like they're, they're somehow sacred. Like they're the first names in the team sheet. And individually, I don't think it's a condemnation of any of them, but it should be a wake-up call. Maybe to them, but their professionalization, it should be a wake-up call to Inchi, that this team's offense isn't good enough, and, and they're too easy to defend against. And some touching on something we said before, the depth is there to make some different choices. So it's not even that I think that all four of these guys need to start against Houston or need to start against RSL. But for the love, just shake things up a little bit. Give teams a different look so that when they turn the ball over in Minnesota United's end, everyone... On the pitch, off the pitch, watching on TV, or just having this weird sixth sense premonition, doesn't know Ozzie to Gregouche to Metinair cross it yeah. because that's exactly what they do every time. And if you're that predictable, you're that defendable. Like at this yeah. point, if this point, if another team gives up a headed goal, Metinair to Amaria's head. The, their coach should get as mad as inchy did and cycle out the entire defense because everybody knows that is exactly what this team does.
0: Yeah. The, uh, that's, that's a great point. And I think the other, um, uh, no, I just lost my, lost my train of thought. I'll get it back eventually. Uh, all right. So this, uh, I asked this question and, uh, our, uh, friend Brockington 42 on Twitter also asked, how long do we give Amaria before we write him off? and end his loan, he says, half kidding, not kidding, question mark. And then, so my, my question here to you um, is right now, you have to, gun to your head, you have to purchase or not purchase Amaria's contract. So his contract ends at the end of the year um, with Minnesota having a, 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 an option to buy that contract. We've had several of these contracts um, where we've had on loan with options to buy. Minnesota has not, has not executed a single one of them at the end of their, at the end of their uh, loan deals. Right now, pre pre so we we don't know what it's going to look like with with um, If you had to pull the trigger on whether you extend his, you you purchase his contract, what are you doing that with Almaria right now? Yes or no? No, no.
1: Yeah. And it's not I even agree. a particularly hard decision for me because he does some things well. He holds the ball up much better than than Angelo Rodriguez did. That's a low bar, but he is clearing it. So, you know, props to him on that. But everything else that you want a striker to do, to worry defenses, to pull guys out with runs, he's just not really doing that. So it's not that I think that he's going to be bad or with a full season, he may not work into that position. But right now, if my choices are take him or the field, give me the field. Um, And in the short term, give me Mason Toy. Like, give me 90 minutes of Mason Toy – Running at defenders, pulling them out of position, and yeah, he's still raw, but he's still raw because Inchi won't give him any time to develop. This is his,
0: this is his third year in the league, man. This is his third year. Yeah, but he's twenty-one. Um, yeah, I know he's I know he's only twenty, but he's been in the league for three years, and he hasn't he hasn't really gotten a true shot either on loan or with Minnesota. Um, so yeah, so that was actually my next question. Is like, so I mean, would you would you bench Amaria? and have Toy be the starter with Amaria maybe coming in, or maybe it's Schoenfeld, depending on how the game is going. If you need to chase a goal, you bring in Amaria. If you're trying to protect, protect a lead in the 80, 75th minute, you bring in Schoenfeld. Um, sounds like you lean Toy uh, to get the start, and Amaria coming off the bench.
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, and it's, you know, this is something that we will never see. It will never make it into the press. And it is one of the reasons that it's really hard to figure out if Adrian Heath is a is a coach that's worth a damn or not because what he needs to do is sit Luis down and make this okay for him because when a striker gets benched, it's this huge psychological blow, yada, yada, yada. So spin it. Talk to me about how he's, how this is good for him, what they want him to be working on in practice. Oh. Maybe it's, Hey, we just need to rest your legs, etc. Yeah. The train came back. I saw the, I saw the light. <laughs> I saw the light. So I'm going to jump out of the way of the cow catcher. Go, 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 go. go.
0: So, the whole so the big thing that Adrian said for time and time and time and time and time again when everybody said why the fuck are you still playing these goddamn players they suck why are you playing them he kept saying players play themselves onto the field and off the field they play themselves onto the field and off when we when we were, we were asking why Ramirez couldn't get onto the pitch why Ibarra couldn't get onto the pitch he said players play themselves on they play themselves off and I called bullshit back then this was you know 2017 2018 I'm calling bullshit right now. We'll we'll see. Like he has every opportunity to prove me wrong. I really hope he proves me wrong. And Edwards gets a start, and uh, Chacon gets ninety minutes, and Toy gets you know a, a start in sixty five to seventy minutes on the, on the on the pitch on on Wednesday. I, I, you can't wait. This isn't like a you know you you had a just particular like the shittiest forty five minutes this team has played since two thousand eighteen uh on on Saturday. If and yes, we have a lot of depth, right? So we can do some rotation. And I, I, I expect that there'll be a little bit of rotation uh, between Wednesday and Sunday. But if Wednesday rolls out there and they're rolling out the four-two-three-one with Lude, Finley, Molino, and Amory and up there, I mean, it's, there's, he, there's no, the dude has no more credibility when it comes to that bullshit saying that you play yourself on and off the pitch, right? Because those four players, um, and I'll, I'll, and I'll even give, I'll give Finley credit. Finley starts, I'm not gonna be as mad because Finley has actually played Fairly well, but Molino, uh, Amaria, and Lude have played like shit the last three games, um, and have been have been basically non-existent, uh, or basically non-existent or shit for the last three games, going back to the um, Orlando and, and all the and, uh, and the MLS is back tournament. So that's my that was that's what I was trying to say. So. <laughs> No, and it's a
1: good point. And I'm going to tie this back to something we brought up earlier, which is Inchi in the post game saying, this was our best week of practice that we've had in a long time. I I feel like Inchi overrates practice quality. Um, There was a point last year, it was after Minnesota United had fallen off of their, their winning streak that he made a ton of lineup changes. The team played like shit the next game. but he was like, it was a bad week of practice and I had to make changes like, well, okay. Okay. You know what? I respect a coach that, that, you know, is, is, I don't want to say is a hard ass, but like firmly believes that you got to practice hard. That's, you know, but at the same time, like we keep seeing practice,
0: man, we're talking,
1: not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice, but like with Inchi, he seems to believe that it is just as important that you were great on Wednesday as it is that you were shit on Saturday. And I'm here Mm -hmm. to tell you only one of those things shows up in this, in the standings. So, I agree with you that he's losing credibility, but on top of that, he's flat out losing games. Like Mm -hmm. one of the things that came out this off season uh, in a a private poll of athletic trainers in the league and, and other front office types is that Robin Lude's fitness is through the roof. He is apparently like one of the crazy fittest guys in MLS. And this has been consistently true, but the guy that we see on the pitch is slow. He slows down the ball. He's, not he doesn't track back particularly well yeah he's he's physically strong but so what so Mm -hmm. like i i don't know maybe this is an issue where where inchies just flat out overvalues the beep test or or he thinks that guys who are absolute practice nut jobs are the types of guys you want on the pitch it's just not showing up in real quality so at some point it really does go back to him and 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 you know, not to pull a Taylor Twelman here, but what are you looking at? Yeah. Like we are looking at a team that has gotten beat off the pitch for of the last 180 minutes. will that'd be 135 of them.
0: Yeah. Easily. You can't,
1: you can't run those same players out and say guys are playing themselves on and off the pitch. Cause they're clearly yeah.
0: not. Actually a good segue to uh, our second to last question of this little segment here. Uh, so our friend out in the Cribs asks, um, he says, I usually give coaches the benefit of the doubt, but could Heath's anger frustration at half be the culmination of his own doing and philosophy, i.e. lack of rotation and substituting, not playing the kids, keeping his guys hungry, et cetera. He says, I mean, if a player knows they're never going to be taken out, there's never a reason to look over their shoulder. You know, Saturday was, you know, question mark, uh, Saturday was far short of greatness. Um, I think you answered your own question there, uh, there, uh, Andy. Uh, yes. Um, I, and again, we, we only know, we we don't, we don't know what's in Heath's mind. Um, Again, like I said, he said in that post game press conference that they had the best week of practice that they've had in a long time. So I don't know what that, what is that saying about the rest of the team and how things, how things have been going um, considering that they had just played uh, one of the worst games that we've seen Minnesota play in a while uh, against Sporting Kansas City at home um, last weekend. uh, And then, you know, turn around and play that first 45 minutes. So um, you have any any other thoughts on on that? Is is Heath uh, is Heath pissed off at himself, and he just he's taking it out on the team?
1: I I think that could be part of it. I I would love to know what got said at halftime because the thing that got reported was you couldn't say what he said on polite co- in polite company. So and we haven't necessarily seen that version of Heath too much. We arguably should have seen more of it in seventeen and eighteen, but. Yeah, I mean, he's, got, he's a guy who clearly has a philosophy. He is a, play, a way he wants to play. He is a, a type of player he likes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what's really interesting to me, and we'll revisit the, this uh, the next time we record, is this team looked really good in the bubble. They looked like they were coming together and, you know, they talked about the hardship of becoming a brotherhood, and uh, yeah, a lot of people did that too. But they really seemed to, like, have something behind it. And now we get back from MLS's back, and look, there's a lot of teams that have got some weird results. Portland's got their ass handed to them. Sporting Kansas City uh, took, <laughs> after beating Minnesota United, if not quite credibly, decently, uh, and then got shellacked by Houston. So clearly there's some adjustment issues from the bubble to the to real life. But it feels like what we're seeing isn't that. It feels like we're seeing – a good team regressing to Adrian Heath's team. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And then a final question sort of related to Minnesota United and our feelings of and barometer of the team right now. Uh, Marty Brown asks, what is your Ike Opara panic meter read today? Uh, The extended radio silence is deafening and we're not going to speculate on injuries and things like that. Um, But I'll just say it's my panic meter for Ike Opara is pretty goddamn high right now, especially considering to Marty's point that we've heard nothing, absolutely nothing from the team about, you know, any time, any expected timeframe uh, timeline to get back, what the injury actually is. Um, I, you know, and again, I don't want to speculate on injuries and anything like that. If, you know, I firmly believe that he's not what fit enough to fit enough to play. But again, I'm, I'm very concerned that the team has is, there's so much lack of transparency with, with things like injuries. And it's particularly something like this, where the guy's been out for um, over six months now. Um, let's let's put it, you know, since you basically, who knows if he would have played that first home opener, um, but he hasn't played a match since, uh, you know, middle of March. So I'm uh, I'm very, very concerned.
1: Yeah, I am as well. Um, I I didn't really see where Bakai DeFossi fit with this team because I just assumed Ike was going to come back. You know, when, when Maloon signed him, they were still in Orlando. The, the supposition was, okay, when I get back, then Opar will be back with a team. That's clearly not the case. I mean, demonstrably so. So the fact that the team felt the need to go out and get a center back, that's pretty worrisome to me. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it, honestly, it could be nothing. The team's just, you know, being overly cautious. It could be, it could be anything. So guessing is just completely unhelpful. But I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard not to be really concerned. Um, And like, you just, I don't know. If, if, if Ike is nursing just this crappy hamstring that he just can't get healthy, you you feel badly for the guy, but like, that's a thing that athletes have to do and and that's life. If he's dealing with severe concussions, anything like that, my heart just goes out to him. And so it's almost that like, I don't even know how sorry for him I should be, but. You know, I think I speak for both of us when I say we, we wish him nothing but the best, and it's not even that we want him to be back on the field; it's we want him to be healthy enough where that's an option.
0: Yeah, the, the I was looking at the, the the match center from the match, and he just he's out with undisclosed injury. That that's just, I mean, I guess I guess my biggest frustration, and this is maybe um, Marty's big frustration too, is like why like why do we know what this is and why why is this apparently okay for the team? Like even you know, I will say like I'm a hockey fan. Um, hockey has some of the most <laughs> vaguest injury reports. Um, upper body injury, lower body injury. who knows like what that actually means. Um, football is actually, you know, also, pretty bad about like actually sort of saying, cause you know, I think for right, like rightfully good reasons, right. You don't want to say um, yeah, my, my right foot is is fucked up because then people will stomp on your right foot when they're, you know, trying to tackle you or whatever um, either in soccer or in, uh, in uh, American football. Um, but it just, it just says undisclosed injury. And I just think, I think that is weird that the team is not forced to say something a little more, um, a little more forthcoming than than that but maybe that's just maybe that's just me and this league is this league is shady for lots of (laughs) fucking reasons so this is like probably the least like the least of the least uh, the most shady things but it's still pretty fucking shady as far as i'm concerned
1: yeah i I get this one i I gotta be honest like and there's always a tough balance to strike right like these are still people their their medical conditions are their own especially when things don't happen on the field of play um you know, I I keep a mental list because baseball, on the other hand, you have to disclose, and so yeah. people people tend to be pretty forthcoming about how things happened. So I keep a list of just like hilarious injuries. You know, yeah. Hunter Pence broke his nose walking into a uh, glass door that had been cleaned too well. Glenn <laughs> Allen Hill missed with missed a couple days with cuts and bruises because he uh had a dream that he was covered in spiders and fell through a table, like got got up <laughs> yeah. and started to clean the spiders off him and fell through a glass table. So like. <laughs> I guess I kind of do get that, like, particularly for stuff where, you know, if a guy goes into a 50-50 tackle and you see his knee twist really badly and the team says, yeah, he tore his ACL, I don't really feel like that's this major invasion of privacy. But, look, there's a thousand things that can go wrong with your body. And if it didn't happen on the soccer field, I really do understand the, yeah, we're just not going to talk about this. But it is hard. Straight up, it's – it's just it's hard from
0: my fan standpoint. Yes, I know, and I, I try to balance that too, because I know I know uh, Ike is very uh, open about um, mental health and stuff like that too, and and if it's you know if it's something like that, certainly, I mean I I know I can understand where he's he he would not necessarily want that out, just in terms of assholes who will you know be assholes about it. Um, it's just it's 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 really frustrating when the, when like we're getting we get literally nothing from him, and I think part of it is is the beat reporters have stopped asking so um they they're not and they're certainly not bringing you or I on to the uh their Zoom conference calls to ask questions about uh about stuff so <laughs> that would be a, a very a very bad mistake. Um all right, let's uh let's do quickly some other other United news, some MLS news and then uh um then we'll sort of take a break. So the after we recorded last week, they uh, Miss United officially announced what their new youth academy will look like. Um as we sort of speculated, it's going to be sort of an Olympic devel- development program style. Um, below U15s, uh, players will really mostly compete with their local clubs. The team will sort of identify a pool of players. Uh, we'll bring them into tournaments. The goal I think is that Minnesota is going to try to, instead of like traveling all the time, you know, Minnesota is actually the only, the only team in MLS that doesn't have a border state with a, another MLS team in it. So the Minnesota teams we're doing a lot of traveling and traveling is, is cost a lot of money. Um, maybe not now so much with the COVID, but Costs a lot of money, and that is that eats up a lot of your budget, which I totally understand. Um, again, I, I'm not as sympathetic about that because you know our our owner, uh, you know, has a shit ton of money, but I can totally understand why that would be a, a budgetary reason. So, what the Minnesota is planning on doing, and uh, E pluribus Luna, um had a really great article uh, interview with Lagos and um, the new I can't I'm blanking on the guy's name um, <clears throat> who are running the academy now. So definitely check them out they've been they've been on the story from the get-go um as well as jeff reeder in the athletic as uh, as well but you put has really been eli hoff has really been on it so basically they're gonna sort of try to miss was gonna try to host more tournaments uh where they can put together a team or two um sort of like see how these players progress on the u15 level um or below u15 at u15 u17 and u19 the teams will be playing in the mls development league which is the league that was just started um, once they broke up the, the development academy system that was in place before this year. The team will have a U23 team starting in 2021 that is going to play in a as-yet-unstarted MLS Reserves League, which to me is a big <laughs> fucking if. Like, it doesn't exist yet, but apparently it's going to exist in 2021, and there will be a U23 team that is going to be playing there. That is going to be basically our reserve team. There's going to be you know, Manny Lagos made it perfectly clear or plainly clear that Minnesota has no desire to start a USL affiliate. Now, I don't know. I mean, again, this MLS reserves league doesn't actually exist right now. So who the fuck knows if that's going to be a thing? Um, I could see it just being like, you know, in most, there's a lot of teams that have USL that, you know, ML teams that have USL teams. They're New England Revolution 2, Orlando City, you know, U23s. They could theoretically, um, you know, bring all those teams to a non-USL league, and basically, you come up and you play. And you fly up with your your main your main team. You play in the afternoon, or you play simultaneously um, at some other pitch, right? So, the MLS, the Minnesota United U23s could play at Blaine the same time that um, the uh, the main team is playing at Allianz, for example. And you could have the the U23s play either that same day the day before or whatever you could have a kind of like they do with champions league and, um, and there, you, there's a U23 champions league, basically all the teams get in. And you play pretty much like the same day as your main team. So a lot of teams all travel together. You play earlier in the day. And then, um, you know, you're, then you get to go home with your, with your same team. So any, any thoughts on the youth academy announcement?
1: You know, I, I guess I'm a little bit less skeptical about the development academy, uh, than you are, although you're certainly well within your rights to be. I mean, this is exactly the type of thing that MLS is like. Yeah, we're totally gonna do this. Um, but I think you know we've seen such success with MLS players lately. Reggie Cannon being the most recent, but Alfonso Davies and a zillion guys from NYRB, led by Tyler, just say Tyler Miller, Tyler Adams. Like, I, I think MLS gets it. I think they understand that they do actually need a functional development system and leaving it to each different team just wasn't working and we were starting to see teams really break in weird ways. And so I think, this, I think that leak will exist. And I think that they are, I think this is their way of trying to not even the playing field, but at least give stupid teams one less reason that they can't create a functional academy, but you want some good tinfoil on this?
0: Yeah, please.
1: Uh, so i got my tinfoil hat firmly on. No one can read my brainwaves. I am not going to get abducted. This is MLS pulling out. Their development clubs from USL, which is going to put
0: ProRel in. Mm. I like that tinfoil actually. That's it's, nice. It's it's tasty. It still tastes like uh, garlic bread. That uh, that's that it would not be actually that would not be surprising at all. I mean, I know USL's talked about it um, uh, as a thing, and if they the biggest sort of the big the biggest detriment to that has been the MLS, uh, you know, d- second teams or whatever. Cause there's a couple that are actually pretty good, like uh Swope Park Rangers and a couple other teams that actually are, 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 pretty decent uh, teams, but yeah, if you can pull them out, put them in their own, um, their own league. And then, yeah, that sounds, that's actually great. Let's, go, let's up the bingos. Let's go up the
1: bingos. Literally up the bingos. <laughs> up the
0: bingos. Uh, all right. A couple other pieces quick. Um, so Coleman, Brent, Brent Coleman scored in his first match for El Paso. Did you see, did you get a chance to see this goal?
1: I, I did not, but I, was, I, maybe he's the solution to our striker problem.
0: It was, uh, it was off a corner. Um, he was, he it was a header. It was a great header. He was unmarked in the box. I don't know how <laughs> they managed to not mark him. Um, he finished with, I believe, it was like 11 clearances and three interceptions. He played actually a pretty good game down in El Paso. Um, the, uh, but that goes back to my point. I think Brent Coleman is a, a good, solid, uh, you know, first or second center back on a good uh usl uh championship team like that's his ceiling right i think his ceiling is that or like you know he's a backup on a, a decent mls uh defense so um anyways apparently el paso they do the uh their their fans do the p chant on goal kicks was well, something that i found that's, out the other day too that's not great but no no it's not so no nope, that's just not great yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, so good on Brent. Good, good for him. Uh, and then finally, the other beat, bit of United news actually just came out this evening. Uh, there's been there's reports that there's going to be a Miss United presser tomorrow to introduce um, introduce somebody. Um, presumably, both Reynoso and DeBassy uh, for sure, because Reynoso has been here for I think it'll be ten days. On either tomorrow or Wednesday, um, Debossi just got here. You as you you mentioned, yeah, last week he actually hadn't traveled quite yet, so I think he got here like midweek last week, Wednesday or Thursday. So he's got a few more days still of uh, uh, um, confinement. But theoretically, um, Reid also, I I think if we did our math correctly, could be available um, on Wednesday down in Houston. Yeah.
1: In in both Andy Greeter and Jerry Zagoda's reports, they indicated that there was a chance that he was going to be available for selection. And uh, people have spotted him around town. So he's clearly not quarantined anymore. Yeah. Uh, report from training today was that both Debasi and Radoso trained at the facility, but trained separately from the team. So, yeah. sounds, but here's, like here's, we'll go off sorry, script so, here. Gun to your head. Would you start Redoso on Wednesday? No, no.
0: <laughs> he's coming in. He's coming in like the, you know, the 70th minute, maybe the 65th minute, depending on how things are going. Um, You know, dude hasn't, yeah, he's hasn't played really since march he was as we mentioned he had had been training with this team but he like they only just started started training um i sincerely doubt he will he will start i it wouldn't surprise me if he starts on sunday honestly um especially if he hasn't been able to play with uh play with his teammates right if he's just if he's just doing training on the side apparently it sounds like uh from uh some people that i've talked to that that news wasn't supposed to get out that they were training on the side by themselves um, just Jerry Zagoda fucked up and put it out on uh, on Twitter because uh, apparently, uh, yeah, our two friends, uh, Ruder and Greeter, sort of it was supposed to be uh, embargoed embargoed news. But uh, well, I appreciate fuck, jump, you. Fuck Jerry, I, jump fuck Jerry, jump fuck Jerry because Jerry Zagoda went out on went on Twitter and put it out. No, no,
1: his, uh, no, 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 never, ever dog a reporter for giving the public too much information (laughs) like i say this as a pr person who has almost lost a job over getting an embargo broken but like no i uh, uh, i appreciate it we we are talking about this because jerry did it so i jerry's a go to i salute you
0: (laughs) all right and then uh a little bit of mls news so after after we recorded um obviously we recorded on monday uh the jacob Blake. uh shooting happened in kenosha there was all the um the strikes uh, you know calling them boycotts but wild, wildcat strikes is what they really you know they really truly were um so we didn't get a chance to talk about that and and we've talked we me and mj had a, a pretty frank conversation after george floyd and I, we don't want to bring down this podcast with more discussion other than we're not doing enough and we need to do more and i was really pleased to see so many leagues um eventually figure it out even if the NHL had to take a day or two to, to <laughs> get their shit straight they figured it out um MLS had a weird a weird situation but you know if you read some of the stuff that like Jeremy Ebibose has said um some other of the of the other players they, they they were fantastic and fully this podcast fully supports any and all actions that um will you know make um, try to bring social justice uh, up to where it needs to be, but uh, we had a shitbag in MLS. One, Delanoi Hansen, um, owner of the Real Salt Lake, the uh, Utah Royals, and the is uh, uh, it the Monarchs Real, Monarchs? Real Monarchs, the USL team. Uh, after the the game was uh, bo- you know postponed, boycotted. Um, went on his his radio station, went on his uh, uh, alternative radio station. um, I can't remember what the name of of it, the the morning show is, but it's just a stupid fucking morning show name. And basically went and said that he had been stabbed in the back, um, said some really dumb shit uh, about his players and about the, you know, kind of this movement. Went on the ESPN radio station that he owns in Salt Lake to sort of clarify um, and... (laughs) I believe it came from one of the quotes was uh, when he gets passionate, he gets poetic. Uh, and which is not the thing to say. It turns out Deloy Hansen, it turns out a, a weird, right? A guy named Deloy is a fucking racist. Um, didn't see that one coming ever at all. Uh, and so turns out he's been a, been a bit of a racist for most of his adult life. So um, so he's now selling uh, all three teams the academy, um, the buildings. There's a high school uh, that's part of the academy. Um, there's been a there's been a bunch of interest. In it. the Utah Jazz owners, uh, jo- Josie Alcador came out. Um, he said he's part of a group that would be interested. Uh, JJ Watt, um, uh, husband to uh, U.S. Women's National Team star Kalia Watts, has uh, in, has expressed interest in joining uh, buying the team. So I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add on on RSL and just the the shithousery that was going on over there?
1: Yeah. It really was unbelievable. Just like he went
0: zero be, to 60, man. Like it, it real from, quick. It went from uh, like, he was, he was pissed off and then literally within like 48 hours, it's like, yeah, he's probably going to sell the team. So.
1: Yeah. It, like I, I get people being mad about the, the exact statement MLS put out, which said like, Oh, he has elected to sell the team instead of we're forcing him to sell the team for being a huge racist. Um, but like, that's always just how it's going to be. You, you let the guy leave with dignity because it's actually really hard to force him to sell. So once he agrees, you're like, oh, maybe you're not such a shithead. And then you completely kill him in the press using anonymous quotes. So that's, that's pretty bog standard. It didn't stand out to me. What stood out to me was how fast this moved. Um, yeah. And that's, that's pretty indicative. Uh, the Athletic Publish a bunch of both on-the-record and off-the-record interviews that just painted this constant picture. And my rule of thumb with stuff like this, and particularly when it comes to things like sexual assault, um, and we've seen people uh, be forced out of the public spotlight for things like that and arrested, thank God. If you're going to do one, you should do the other. Uh, What you see in public is in no way the worst stuff that's out there. That's the stuff that people are willing to talk about. So. The fact that we have him doing an impression of a black employee, referring to them as colored, like you just know that the stories that, that MLS got told off the record, not by journalists, but when they started actually doing due diligence on this were exceedingly racist and yeah. absolutely unconscionable but like look it, so did donald sterling donald sterling and marge shot the the other two owners who have been forced to sell teams because they were hugely racist or in marge shot's case owned a lot of nazi memorabilia yeah
0: um <clears throat> well jerry, jerry richardson in the in the nfl too he although that was oh, uh, about that one that was sex, that, one. that was most that was mostly like sexual uh sexual assault, harassment and stuff so yeah um, probably which, and i'm dan sure I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure a little bit of racism uh tinged in there as well so i'm sure sh- i'm sure and it looks like dan snyder's now now
1: going down that path uh um, yeah. speaking of pieces of shit, uh with those two even with this preponderance of evidence that they were not the people that the league should be affiliated with in any way shape or form it took time like these things just take a lot of time um the donald sterling trial transcripts are truly some of the most insane literature that exists. Um, like you, you may have heard the punchline, "Sir, I just asked if this was your signature." That is actually a real thing that happened in the deposition, where where uh, Donald Sterling went on an extended discussion of having received oral sex in the back of a limo in answer to the question, "Is this your signature?"
0: Like, I remember that? Yeah,
1: just absolutely unhinged shit. So the fact that in less than a week we have gone from Deloy Hansen's a weird dude who spends way too much money at coin auctions to, Oh my gosh, Deloy Hansen is a huge racist who now doesn't own these teams he is a mark of progress. So kudos to, to MLS for, they probably knew they probably should have done this before, but at the point it went public, it's it, using your words. It went from zero to 60 real quick.
0: Yeah, it did. And, uh and yeah, it's a like good on MLS. Um, you know to he, you know he has built a since he sort of took an over as the uh, majority owner in 2013 i believe is when he took over as as majority owner you know the Utah royals he, he resurrected the sport kansas city or uh, the kansas city team brought them to utah has in, he's, in, he's invested a lot of money in soccer and so you know there's admirable things but a lot of you know p- people who do admirable stuff can also be shitbags. bags i think that's something we need to always keep in mind like you can do good stuff but also be a shit bag and He's got a shit bag and he's, he's finally found out. So good on, good on MLS. Look forward to uh, whoever owns, because whoever owns, whoever buys that franchise, um, all three, you know, the, the Monarchs, uh, the Royals and RSL is going to get a pretty decent, pretty decent franchise with really good infrastructure. It's not, it's, there's lots of, there's lots of other shittier ways to, to buy into MLS. And this is not, this is not the shitty one. So. No, this um, is as
1: turnkey a franchise as exists. So, yeah. yeah, whoever gets it is really getting a gem. Um, I just hope they they know what they're getting and they duly invest in it. It would be a shame to see a franchise that is as well positioned as RSL is hit the skids because their racist owner got found out.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, and then finally, uh, Madison Ford, our Ford Madtown Bro down. Um, they postponed their match on, I believe, Thursday uh, in support of their black players on their team and w- and with USL. Um, they're spo- I can't remember. I can remember. Oh, it's North Texas. They're supposed to play North Texas in um, just outside of Milwaukee, actually, where they're playing their matches this year. Um, they decided ahead of time to postpone it. Uh, North Texas was uh, fully supportive. USL was really su- fully supportive. That's great. I mean. They could have pretty much every other USL team played. Um, you know, we talked about all the, all the other leagues pretty much um, shut down or in some capacity, not everywhere. Like obviously some MLB teams played, um, but almost every league at least shut down very temporarily. USL didn't. Um, I think Madison made a really good call in deciding not to play their match on on Sunday. It was you know still a few days after but um, good on them. Uh, kudos to them for, for doing the right thing. Um, they're back in action on Friday. They play the New England, New England revolution two, which is a USL league one expansion franchise. I learned that today. This is the first time New England's had a, as a head affiliate in, uh, in the USL. So first, first and last,
1: first and last
0: probably won't exist next year. Um, yeah. So one last right. piece
1: on, uh, on Madison. Um, if you haven't seen yeah. their statement on Twitter, for their canceled yeah. game, it was one of the best statements the professional team put out in the the last week of cancellations yeah. and strikes and however you want to call it. But they did a really really good job. But we've dogged a lot of teams on here for not great statements, so credit where credit's due. They got this one right. Yeah,
0: they just they keep they just keep nailing it up. They can hit it out of the park, man. <laughs> to to mix our mix our sports metaphors, <laughs> um, they do a really good a really good job. So so good on Madison. All right, uh, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back after the music, we'll talk uh, we'll talk some tactical go with uh, Houston Dynamo and. We all saw lake. So we're we'll back after uh, after the music. Yeah. You want me to be that type of dude and I want not
1: to be who you like me to, but we both
0: know I can't do nothing at all. Oh, yeah. All right, and we're back. That Was a nice nice pee break. Got a beer. You good, Dan?
1: Yeah, I just got water, uh, the aforementioned Saturday. Uh, getting old as hell, man. Okay, it yeah, turns out, huh? yeah, it really, it like really, really did. Uh, it was it was so necessary, though. We we met some friends at Lakes and Legends, and we were going to have a beer, and then we had six beers, and
0: then
1: there was a change of venue, and Scotch was involved, so uh, but I have, I, despite having a hangover for a day and a half, because I was super dehydrated before that, uh, I have no regrets. It was so wonderful.
0: Right on. Right on. All right. Well, we have a couple of games this week. Um, one on Wednesday uh, against Houston Dynamo it, down in Houston. Speaking of 106 degrees and dehydration, uh, we'll be down back down <laughs> in Dallas or back down in Texas. And then uh, at home against uh, Real Salt Lake on Sunday. Um, so let's talk about Houston Dynamo first. Uh, there is actually a line for this game. We mentioned last week there wasn't a line because there was a – the Dallas played midweek uh, to a very drab 0-0 draw, and then they scored a bunch of goals on us. Houston is a uh, favorite in this game. Uh, they're plus 145. Uh, Miss United's at plus 170. It draws plus 250. Uh, over-under is three goals. Uh, over is minus 105. Under is minus 115. Um, Dan, you uh, – I mean, we, just, we were talking off uh, – uh, off air about driving down to Iowa. Um, you want to tell us why?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about it. So Houston is an extremely top-heavy roster. Darwin Quintero, Mara Minotas, uh, Christian Ramirez, Albert Elise, Like, if they're going to win this game, there's gonna, they're going to score more than three goals. Like, this is not a one-nil team. They are not built for that at all. So if you're going to – Vegas seems to think that Houston is going to win this game and the under is also going to hit. Like those are your two short odds here. Uh, that's not going to be how it is. So if I'm going, no. I may haul ass down to what is it, Diamond Joe Casino, right Diamond across Joe's, the border.
0: Yep. <laughs> future mean. future uh, sponsors of the Days I Know podcast, Diamond Joe's Casino. They just don't know it yet. I'm I'm working on them. So yeah,
1: yeah, but it's inevitable. It just is. Yeah. Uh, I'm hitting Houston. I'm taking the over because yeah, if if they win this game, they scored a bunch of goals.
0: So yeah, we've played some to some. We've played like some particularly drab games with Houston, um, but we've also played a bunch of high-scoring games with Houston too, or at least Houston scores a lot of goals. So um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about you know some of the Houston players. Obviously, uh, I mean we can't talk about Houston without talking about uh, Christian Ramirez and Darwin Quintero, um, former Minnesota United players. Uh, Heath mentioned them in the post-game presser. Um, about the team that was coming up, that, you know, there's some ex-players. Obviously, there's probably some bad blood. I'm sure there's a lot of bad blood between uh, Darwin and, and Christian and uh, Inchi. So, what I mean, obviously, Darwin uh, just got a brace uh, not too long ago. Christian Ramirez is back on the score sheet scoring goals, that goal scorers score or strikers score, something that Minnesota has been missing for a while. Darwin Weird. and Christian, yeah, Darwin and Christian look really good with Houston and what uh, Tab Ramos is trying to do down there.
1: They really do and they fit really well together and they fit really well together when they played together in Minnesota. It's just that, that they did. Yes. It's just that Inchy decided to blow it up. Um, I will like, I'll throw this out there. Uh, given the way that Christian's career has gone since he's left Minnesota. Um, it's really hard to argue that Minnesota didn't get the better end of that trade. Like, Credit to the front office. Once once Inchi indicated that Christian had to go, they really did get a premium for him. So um, it should be said, but uh, I won't dwell on it too much because that gives Heath too much credit that he doesn't deserve. Um, You know, one of the interesting things is we saw Darwin play with a chip on his shoulder, and that's not always a good thing. Um, The defenders should know from practice and from film that this means that he is going to try to dribble them. He is constantly... Going to try to embarrass the defenders. And so they should be prepared for that, a little bit like we talked about with, hey, Minnesota United is absolutely going to try to cross. Uh, Darwin is going to try to dribble. So, mm. but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he just, he attracts defenders, he pulls them, and Christian is such a smart striker that they work really well together simply because Christian knows that the space that Darwin creates is his. And so but Minnesota United knows these things too. Like this is the, this is the strange thing about this game. Both of these teams are extremely straightforward in how they want to play. And uh, if Houston has the ball and they're doing the attacking that they want to do, that technically leaves it open for Minnesota to run a counterattack. Yeah. But man, letting Houston have the ball with less so Darwin, although a little bit him, but notes us. can, he just creates, he's a great creator. And yeah. uh they're well positioned.
0: Yeah, Minotas and, and uh, Tomas Martinez are, are two of the three DPS. Albert Elise being the other one. Um, there was talk uh, uh, last year of uh, Elise and Manotas um, being sold, and they they still are. They're still on the team. Uh, Minotas and, and Tomas Martinez have not been starting, but they've been they've been coming in and playing. Um, Tav has been playing pretty much the same. You know, for the last three games, has been playing the same, uh, the same formation, the same. The same players, uh, and they've, and it's it's been great because actually we've seen, if you if you're a Houston fan, um, you've seen the progression of them. Like the first win was they beat the hell out of Sporting Kansas City in Kansas City, five to two, uh, last week on a, on Wednesday. Um, so they're capable of scoring goals. They they you know they played a hell of a game with LAFC, with it up being a three three draw, um, where they came from behind to draw that to draw that game. Um, so they can score goals, and that is you know kind of the the thing about uh, Houston, conversely, their defense, uh, Figueroa and Zarek Valentin, uh, Maynard Figueroa has been a thorn in uh, Minnesota side many times over the course of the last uh, three years. Zarek Valentin, um, probably one of their, their better known defenders. Their defense is not great. Um, they like to run. And that is kind of the, you know, you say what you will about, uh, I mean, that is sort of Tab Ramos's, his U23 sides or U21 sides when he was, was coaching U S national teams, like those teams like to run. And I think that is kind of, you know, we say, inchy has this, the style that he likes to play. Tab is the same way. Like he's, he doesn't have a ton of, um, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience uh, head coaching um, ab- above that sort of youth level, right. This is his first, this is his first uh, non-youth job as a head coach. I think he has definitely has a style that he wants to play. And I think, you know, Minnesota has the pieces to, to counteract that. And I think going at, um, so of Figueroa is in the, uh, in the central defense, Valentin is on, I believe he plays right back. So that would be, if you get someone like Chacon, um, or, or Edwards. Edwards going at Zarek Valentin, I think is, is a very winning proposition for, for Minnesota United. So, uh, anybody else you want to, you want to shout out, uh, for Houston?
1: No, uh, or, this game. This game should be good, uh, unless unless Inchi really tries to bunker and thinks that they can, they can defend better than Houston can attack, which is a hell of a bet to make. I mean, this is going to be a very open game. I don't expect the ball to spend very much time at all in the middle third of the park. This is one end or the <laughs> other. I mean, this yeah. is four on four fire wagon hockey.
0: Yeah, uh, I tend to agree with you. I think that is. I th- I do not think that plays well into Minnesota's uh, Minnesota's hands. I think Minnesota needs to. Um, I think Minnesota needs to have faith that they can that they can absorb a little bit of pressure from Houston, and that they can expose Houston. You know, on on either the left or the right, preferably um, preferably the left. But I think you know, knowing Minnesota that it's they're going to try and jam it down the right hand side, and we'll see. I mean. <laughs> we've talked the, the last couple of games last couple of weeks about has have teams figured out Adrian Heath this is this will be a great example of have teams figured out Adrian Heath cuz tab ramos again you know it, it's he definitely has a style he wants to play we've not seen much of him being able to be diverse right he plays the 433 three. actually i think th- with there's been like one change out over like last week when he had, like, had a midweek game they pretty much played the same players right i think he has i think he has his lineup set that he wants to play he has the formation that he wants to play how much is he willing to to vary that up um especially considering you know these two teams going at each other there should be a lot of space to to create for for both teams um so i think this will be a really good indication of whether you know whether the league has the book on adrian heath and and you know it'll be be interesting to see like so we had a question basically who lines up who who does minnesota united what's the minnesota united lineup for this game do we see change or are we pessimistic and and think that Adrian Heath is not going to do the things he says he does but he never actually shows us that he does I think the back
1: is set so as much as I think I would play DSC actually we should have talked about this about this is a really terrible first test for a goalkeeper like welcome to the shooting gallery buddy you don't get a gun you're the duck
0: or it's it's, it's a great opportunity man I mean, if he, if I mean, he stands on his head, then yeah. Raji Singh is. I mean, it would be one. It would be one thing if Raji Singh was a demonstrated like shot stopper. He's not. He's not That's true. demonstrated that he's a shot stopper. So, I mean. You could, one thing you want to say about Vito Manone, Vito Manone was not great at, like, distribution. The dude could stop shots, right? Like, he, like, reaction saves was fucking great. Like, way better than he should have been. Way better than I think anybody expected. And that's the reason why he won the goalkeeper of the year is because, dude, rea- like when you had time, when he had time to think, he was fucked. When, <laughs> he, just had to sh- when he just had to stop a shot, he was great. And that was that was his whole thing last year. And, and everybody was just like, how is this happening? It's like, sometimes people don't just have good reflexes right they put themselves in a decent position decent enough position you have good enough reflexes you can make a stop right Roger Singh has not shown us that he's that in, in either any of his previous stops or in the last two games that he's played I mean I haven't seen much of Dane St. Clair other than I think that Augsburg friendly or, or the Hertha Berlin friendly where he played or whatever um, but it seems like everything that we've heard from about him from goalkeeping coaches Seems like he think, they think he's a shot stopper. So this might be the perfect opportunity to throw to throw him in and just say, "Fucking go for it, man! Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna get, you're gonna get it peppered. Like let's see what you can do."
1: So I I actually totally agree. That's a great point. And and Saint Clair is a shot stopper. I mean, he's long limbed. He's strong. He does the, the things that shot stoppers do. He's got other pieces that need to come along, but that piece is, is pretty well established. Still, I think the backline stays the same. If we calling predictions, not what we would like to see. But I think we will see Raheem Edwards start for lewd uh, because Inchi does know that Valentin is, is fragile. And I'll go down on a limb. I think Chacon starts over Molino. I think uh, as much as Inchi wants to change out someone like Amaria in this game, where you're going to have to turn defense into offense really quickly, having a forward that can stop the ball at the halfway line and let the wings get up around, I think actually is really valuable. So even if Amaria isn't doing the things in the attacking third that you want him to do, in the middle and defensive thirds, he actually really is a a strength, not a liability in this game.
0: Nice thing with that too, with that formation, is that if it's not going well, you could bring in Molino and Toy for Chacon and Amaria, Yeah. right? It would, it, would, it would actually would be great to, to get to for um, Amri to play with someone who speaks uh, speaks Spanish. Um, maybe prefacing, like, prefacing Reynoso, um, coming in. And that's the other thing, too, is like maybe we'll see Reynoso in this match. Who the fuck knows? Um, I
1: would be I ca- shocked.
0: I'll would, be, I would shocked. be shocked.
1: i will, I'll throw it out there. If we see him at all, I will be shocked Sunday. That's a different story.
0: Yeah. Maybe. He, yeah. I, that's, I think we talked about it in the last podcast. I think he, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets like 10 or 15 minutes at the end of the game. Um, especially if it's like far away. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, yeah, three, three, nothing or something like that, where it's like, either we're winning or we're getting the shit kicked out of us. <clears throat> then maybe throw him out there, try and give him a little chemistry with his teammates. But I think more than likely his, he gets a cameo, on sunday where he plays maybe 25 minutes and then he gets his first start um next wednesday would be would be my guess but who the fuck knows um i yeah i tend to agree with you man i think um i, w- I would love to see edwards get a, a solid 70 minutes or so um get a start see what he can do what he can what he can what he can bring uh, i think it, it would be great if it's in four uh for lewd but i kind of think Lude is going to be starting i think it's going to be at the expense of ethan finley which would suck ass but i think
1: i i think finley's name is ahead of Lude's on the team sheet i mean
0: man i really i really really hope so i, I don't think it is but I, I mean i hope i hope you're right that would that'd make a hell of a lot more sense but i just i just don't see it just way the way that he robin has been deployed in in Adrian Heath's teams, again, this is going back to the saying, thing saying, you know, you play your, yourself off the pitch. Robin Lute has done way more than enough to play himself off the pitch, and he's not been off the pitch other than for injury. So I think – I would hope you're right, but I, I don't think you are. I think, I think uh, Adrian Heath is a hypocritical asshole. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, so who wins?
1: This is Houston to me. Uh, Minnesota is, is, if nothing else, mentally not in a good place right now. I think Houston sees that. I mean, they want to be aggressive anyway. This is just going to take it up to up to eleven. Um, you know, if we see a wholesale change up top, that's cool. That's really interesting to me. But you still kind of want some people that have gelled at least a little bit. I don't know. There's just there's a bunch of ill omens for this game. It's not the least of which is the fact that it's in Houston. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drive to Diamond Joe's, man. I'm I, this is a this is a Houston bang and an over
0: bang that over that bang that over Houston parlay.
1: I'm just gonna refer. So this game is obviously the Dylan Wolpers Derby, the Dylan Wolpers Derby. Sorry, I'm gonna start referring to any game I think Houston's gonna win with the over as the Diamond Joe Special.
0: Diamond Joe Special. You know what, Dan? I think you're. I think you're right. I think it's Diamond Joe Special. I think that is a, a perfect way to describe <laughs> it. I'm gonna probably steal that on put that on the uh, Dave Zino Twitter uh, Twitter account. So we uh, tagging
1: Diamond Joes. We got to get this sponsor thing going, right, man.
0: Trust me, man. I'm working on. I'm working on it. Um, Yeah. I just, I remember how we talked about the beginning of the phase one that we thought that 10 points is the bare minimum uh, for this to be successful.
1: Oh shit. Yeah.
0: Very, very close to, uh, if we don't, if we drop points here, then we're not going to hit 10 points. So just throwing it out there just to point that out. So, all right. I think we we both have Houston. We both have the over. So hit hit down to diamond Joe's, uh, just on 35, uh, just South of Albert Lee across that border. Turn right. You're at Diamond Joe's. Bang the over. Diamond Joe's special. Of the uh, wear, a,
1: wear a mask though, because I was a shit show. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Please, yeah. Please wear a mask <laughs> when you do that. Uh, all right. So let's talk very quickly about RSL. That's the game on Sunday. This is at home. This is at Allianz. There's no line for this. Uh, obviously, uh, RSL has a midweek match with the Seattle Sounders. And one fun fact I want to throw in about RSL: their last uh, two games, they've scored eight goals and given up five. <laughs> Uh, they had a 4-1 victory over Colorado, a 4-4 draw with Portland. Both of those games, they scored two goals in the last 10 minutes of both those matches. So this is a, you know, the Cardiac Kitties, uh, you know, they're, this is a Cardiac team. They they play like shit, and then they finally, they, they managed to find a way to score a shit ton of goals uh, in the last 10 minutes of matches. So um, who we got on, uh, on RSL that we should be talking about in some way, either they're shit or they're really good uh
1: i want to throw out cory baird uh cory baird was a solid draft pick from a few years ago he's really come into his own the the offense really flows through him uh when it's really interesting that they've scored eight goals because when united uh united played them they looked drab like just a team that didn't quite have its pieces together so uh, and they shut Corey baird down and i think those two things go hand in hand uh a name that you may recognize from a long ass time ago, when he chose to play for Spain, uh, play for Italy instead of the <laughs> United States, and had some horrible things said about him, is Giuseppe Rossi, who uh, scored one of those four goals against Portland uh, yes. very nicely. As as a matter of fact, as so, a sub in the a, in
0: the when I say it was like the eighty eighth minute, or like the you know, 85th yeah, minute? yeah, something like that. So yeah, he, okay, no, he comes he was, on. He was, he was like the eighty fourth minute because uh, Sam Johnson got the one in the in like the ninety the ninetieth minute or whatever. So yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, when was his goal or when was he subbed? His, uh, his, just, his goal was in the 89th.
0: Yes. Oh, okay. Rossi got the, got the goal in the 89th. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I, and then uh, Baird was the one who scored in in, uh, in stoppage. Um, so, I don't – like, Rossi's not going to start. He's not that player anymore. He's not that player within RSL. But it's just funny to see a guy who has been just one of these targets that has been rumored to come to MLS for years and years and years he finally is, and, and uh, he's picked up his first goal. Uh, yeah. I'll uh, I'll leave the three big ones to you.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So Justin Mira, um, former Columbus Crew player. Um, uh, I believe he's an, he's a is he an Iraqi international? He is. Yes, Iraqi international. Uh, he scored a goal. Um, he's generally been great. He's been kicking kicking around the league for a while now. Um, and then the two big ones for uh, RSL are uh, Demir Kralac. And Robert Albert Rusnak um, both have uh, scored goals against Minnesota. Uh, uh, Krylak has actually scored in the last two games. He's got four goals on the year so far, um, doing very, very well. And Albert Rusnak, uh, also their uh, designated player, um, sort of an attacking midfielder. You know, ourselves is it's a team that we re- weirdly, like, own for the most part. Um, that 0-0, very, very drab draw um down in uh orlando notwithstanding seem we've done really really well against much kind of like san jose um but they've looked you know they looked really good in beating colorado they you know colorado scored the first goal they didn't score their their first goal in colorado uh until i believe it was like the 56th or 57th minute and then they just poured it on against colorado i think they're a team that is very well conditioned um so you know they'll they can withstand the storm, and then they just poured it on at the very end. And then in Colorado, or sorry, in in, in Portland, um, they were down four to four to two in like the eighty fourth or eighty fifth minute um, when they. And then when Rossi scored, and then they scored a goal in in stoppage time um, to make that a four four draw. So it's a team that you really can't you can't let up on, right? So Minnesota, Minnesota has had really good success uh, playing RSL here in in Minnesota um definitely needs, is a team that we need to score early score often and then we can't we can't let up um much like dallas kind of did almost did against us uh, over the weekend we really need to uh keep pushing uh keep pushing against this team so um so how does minnesota united uh play rsl dan
1: uh you know i think the big thing is don't let cory baird dribble past you so to me this is about keeping shape um mm-hmm. I think this is a team that can be counterattacked against. against. Uh, so to me, this is a setup in Inchie's four-two-three-one. I think if there are changes up top, this could be a really good game for Mason Toy to get in, to, to run at some defenders that uh, maybe are a little bit of RSL's weakness if their attack is a little bit better than their defense. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly their goalkeeping has taken a step down, now that Nick Romando isn't there. So, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I, I don't think inchi is looking to cycle out all four of the attacking players that he subbed as a, as to teach them a lesson. If he wanted to do that, I think you could get away with starting uh, either Edwards for Finley. If you wanted to pull him over on the right, or uh, if to Corey Hayes is healthy, you could start him there, but uh, you can definitely start toy up top for Amaria. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is quite the the counterattack that it is against Houston. I think if Minnesota wants to play a more possession-based lineup, they could. Honestly, the more I, I I will admit I am talking myself into this. So maybe the data isn't there. I think we do see right now, so for at least a half of this game. And at that point, who the hell knows what happens?
0: That's fair. That's fair. So I mean, I, I will say you, you are you are one hundred percent correct. Their, their defense is not not great. Um Goalkeeping has taken a step down. Uh, Donny Toya and Aaron Herrera, we didn't talk really about them at all. Uh, They're they're fullbacks for RSL. And that's definitely a a place of weakness for, um, where we could see, it would be great to have Raheem Edwards um, bombing down uh, the right-hand side at uh, at Donny Toya. Um, And then someone like Chacon uh, or, you know, so someone fast like Chacon. There's I'm sure there's a Saint Loon, but lose that fast. Chacone's bombing Loon's down. not fast. Bombing down uh, the left at Aaron Herrera. Um, you know, and then with with Chase and and or Romaine making sort of cr- like, you know um, lapping runs on on those guys. This is a team that you can like can be beaten uh, long. A um, couple of the Portland goals were shots from distance, where their uh, central defenders um, just did not step up. So Dotson could be a really good play here, um, and, and Grey Goose for that matter, and set pieces, somebody who can who can step up and and take a, and has the confidence to take a shot. Shit, man, we saw Chase Gasper step up and take a couple shots in the last game. I would love to see Chase Gasper taking more shots and doing less crosses in from the left-hand side, doing a little bit of kind of what Andy Robertson does for Liverpool, um, where on occasion he gets a bug up his ass and decides instead of crossing in that he's going to like cut in and then take a shot. Um, it keeps defenders to, honest. Yes, I would love to see Chase Gasper doing that more often, especially because he's such he's such shit at, uh, at crossing in, at crossing. <laughs> um, Although he's gotten a lot better. He has, but that's like that's a very low bar. Uh, I mean, let's it, put it that way. It's
1: true. It's true. Like he's he yeah. started where his crossing was a legit liability, and now I think it's not an asset, but it's a part of his game that you're like, yeah, okay, that's fine.
0: Sure. Um, yeah, it's not. going to keep anybody honest. Him, him, him cutting in and taking a shot, uh, putting it on frame. will keep. will keep defenders honest, and we'll, we'll get and we'll allow him the space to maybe get a little bit better uh, at uh taking those crosses so that's my 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 thing um, well and he
1: may wrong foot a goalkeeper i mean yeah, we haven't really true. seen him do it yet so until he proves that that's something that he can do goalie like goalkeepers aren't going to have their weight shifted that way so he may right. he may even sneak a good goal or two out of it
0: right on all right uh, how's it end up dan
1: uh this is optimism uh this is a draw and and it's it's an optimistic <laughs> draw um Until this team proves that it can win with the ball or that it can sort of develop a functional attack that isn't Gregor Smetner-Cross, Gregor Smetner-Cross, I I can't pick this team to win right now. I haven't seen – I mean, since I got back from the bubble, I have not seen a team that I look at and go, yeah, this is a team that can win against anybody because Kansas City gave them more than enough of an opportunity. They played really badly in that game and United didn't do it. And Dallas sucks. And Dallas <laughs> sucks real bad. Yeah. And United couldn't do it. So until they prove me wrong, I'm not picking United to win anymore.
0: That's fair. I'm um jinxed them. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that uh that we we do something decent at Houston. I don't think we win, but I think we we figure something out, and I think that we come back home and we uh, beat Houston or beat RSL three to one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it, put it out there, put my I like dick it. out there. I like uh, it. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right, very quickly, Europe. Uh look at a couple things that happened uh, this weekend in Europe. Let's start. Uh, let's start with Sunday first. Um, did you watch the Women's Champions League final between Lyon and Wolfsburg?
1: I did. Uh okay. Honestly, some some pretty solid parallels between that and the Minnesota United game. Uh, Leon played Wolfsburg out the park in the first half. They, it, it looked like a one-team game. Um, they only went in up one, but they bossed the shit out of Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg did not look like they belonged in that game. Come out at half, and it's completely different. I'm sorry, they went up 2-0. They went the, the half up 2-0. Wolfsburg came out in the second half. They looked really good. They looked sharp. They put uh, Leon on, the, on their heels, um, and they just could not Get the second goal. So there it was, it was most of the half was was two one with Wolfsburg on the attack, and it was really entertaining. Um, Leon's third goal, I think, probably should have been chalked off by VAR, but Loss-Amer, uh just absolutely slams the hell out of a ball from outside the box, and uh, Gunnar's daughter just kind of flicks a heel. Like doesn't I don't know that she knew that the ball was <laughs> close or if she just just and put it past the keeper it was the most yeah. nonchalant like flick goal. she couldn't do it again given a thousand tries but you know what you only got to do it once and they got a pretty fancy trophy for it
0: gunner's daughter who was uh playing for wolfsburg in may uh um, oh, that's right <laughs> she had just transferred to uh to leon and, and only was really playing because of injuries and a red card um that leon got so she really wasn't planning on playing in the Champions League, um, so either way, like, so she was either she's going to get a winner's medal, either with leon or with Wolfsburg, which is kind of the, since she, she played for for years for Wolfsburg and has has you know tasted defeat against Lyon. I think three of the last four years they've been knocked out by leon either in yeah, the semi this or the is the final.
1: This is the fifth year in a row that Lyon's won the, the Women's Champions League.
0: Yep. And then, uh, congratulations to, uh, uh, Les Amois, uh, Wendy Renard and, uh, Sarah Buhati, who are seven time you, uh, women's champions league winners. Um, they are the, they have, they are now tied for like the most champions league wins, uh, in history, um, which is really cool. That was a fact. If you MJ, uh, posted, uh, uh MJ Matsui on Twitter, um, uh, posted that, uh, earlier today, um, they passed uh, Francisco Ginto uh, for European Cup uh, for European Cup victories. So congratulations to, to all those women. That's awesome.
1: Does this mean my Francisco Ginto uh, autograph collection is now not worth as much as it used to be?
0: Not as much as it used to be.
1: Damn it. I, some, I, some, some, I never some, know when to sell
0: my collectibles. You need to get some of that Sarah Cere- Bogada and Wendy Renard uh, uh, autograph collection. So. I
1: do. I, I would love to get Wendy Renard swag because yeah. she's like one of the most dominant aerial players in in four soccer years. today.
0: Yes, 100%. All right. And then there, there's another thing that happened. Um, Community Shield, <laughs> Arsenal 1, Liverpool 1. We don't have to talk about that one at all if we don't want to. So I mean, uh, no. <laughs> Liverpool 1, Arsenal 1, Liverpool 1, uh, Arsenal 1, uh, 5-4 on PKs. Congratulations, Dan, uh, on your victory. Uh, Thank you. I yours. worked
1: really hard for this one. So yeah. the, this trophy is particularly sweet.
0: One, one of the many Dave Zeno derbies of the year. Um, the floor is yours, man. If you want to gloat or you want to say anything. About yeah. Team. I, I, uh,
1: you know, I'm not going to gloat too much. You know, as much as we said, both teams took this pretty seriously in uh, the preview show that we did for for patrons. Uh, you know, there were was, was some pretty substantial changes. Um, interestingly to me, Emiliano Martinez, Started, played really well, um, uh, bantered the shit out of Virgil van Dijk during the penalty, uh, which end which two shooting first, which I love that. I, I am <laughs> always here for, for Arsenal having good banter players. Um, interesting things that happened in the game though. One, I think just the fact that Liverpool didn't run Arsenal off the pitch, I think is relevant for Arsenal. Um, Minamino looked really good. There's all, and, and Liverpool dominated for huge stretches of the game. But Arsenal kept their defensive shape. They really had a solid game plan. Um, so despite not having somebody like Danny Ceballos, who's rumored to be coming back on loan, Arsenal held it together. Um, so like, it just gives me a lot of hope going into the season. I don't think Arsenal is a, is a legit top four team this year. I think Liverpool and City are just as good as they were last year, if not better. I think Chelsea's gotten a lot better. Um, so that fourth spot is, is Leicester City, Manchester United, Tottenham is not going to be as bad as they were for most of last year. So I, I don't see Arsenal quite getting into that fourth spot. But the, the fact that they played pretty effectively in this game gives me a lot of hope. Um, but I got to tell you, I feel absolutely terrible for Rian Brewster. Um, <laughs> so if you didn't watch this yeah. game, Arsenal scored all of their penalties. Liverpool scored all of theirs except Rian Brewster, who had come on – in like the ninetieth plus two minutes, like as a penalty specialist, the first time he touched the ball was the penalty, and yeah. that feels that feels almost unfair for a coach yeah. to do that to a young player.
0: He's so yeah, that that is that what that's why he was brought on the pitch, and he knows that. I think he will he will never forget that feeling, um, and I. Could see Riemerschuh never skying a penalty ever again. Um, just because <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he knows that he he he's a very he's an interesting case because I we I, he's one of the players that we talked about that I talked about uh, in terms of Liverpool. Um, he's a, he's interesting because you know, he played for Swansea last year. He scored 11 goals, um, almost got them promoted. He got them into the playoff, uh, the promotion playoff for the EFL Championship last year. Um, there's not much more that he can do, and so the question is: Do you do you loan him to? Um, sort of a uh, middle uh, middle tier EPL team to get him some EPL minutes, or is he your first option option off the bench for Liverpool? And you know, th- th- this is the this is the conversation that a lot of Liverpool fans are having about whether he should be going, whether we should send him on a loan to some place like um, you know, say Burnley or uh, you know, whatever um, Southampton or some place where he might be able to get some more minutes. Um, play regularly, or do we keep him as part of the squad um, for, you know, all the, obviously we have Carabao Cup, FA Cup, um, Champions League, things like that. There's going to be lots of opportunities, I think, for him to play. And, you know, is the question is, is, is Divock you know, good enough? Is, I mean, Rian Brewster, I think, is, is, is a significantly better version of Divock He's certainly way younger um, so, yeah, so he's, a, he's an interesting case, and he's a, you know, people we'll have a few kids coming like that through their system. And I know Arsenal has a few, too, so. Um.
1: Yeah, and, and that's something that came up in the game. Uh, before the game, Angelie Maitland-Niles was on, allegedly, in the shop window heading to Wolves for about 25 million pounds. Uh, he gets man of the match in that game and wholly, yeah. de- wholly deserved it. And yeah. by the next morning, those rumors were done. So, like, I think Arsenal is trying to figure out how to keep him. But it, it is a very similar situation of, okay, are you, are you top four caliber? Are you the type of player that can get us to that next level? Or are you someone we've got to sell at the peak of value? I think for yeah. Liverpool, there's an additional calculation, which is if we sold him to, let's say, Leeds or Fulham, Fulham desperately needing a striker, uh, do you maybe trip up city? Like, is, can you, can you loan out your fourth best player to be the, the top player on another team and maybe get one of your <laughs> rivals just to trip up because the margin is going to be super fine. So it's, yeah. you know, what's, what's best for us and what's best for his career. Those are the two primary considerations, but not off the table is, I wonder if we can get someone to screw up.
0: <laughs> and we and listen we we went this entire podcast we didn't talk about messy and, and the messy to, to city rumors we're not going to do that right now if, if if something like that happens we'll we'll do a patreon we'll do a patreon only podcast um is there anything else you want to talk about the community shield um I, i'll just say as a liverpool fan and to all my other fellow liverpool fans we lost this last year and then we won the league going away so yeah. take heart it's uh it's not the end of the world you
1: know the funny thing is like is this a trophy right like this is always the discussion is this a trophy is Carabao Cup a trophy or is it really only European trophies FA Cup actual league title Um, Arsenal fans are of course now saying in jest yeah this is definitely a trophy totally a trophy, yeah for sure it it definitely is but you know uh, look Tottenham doesn't have one so (laughs) (laughs) that's that's really all that matters to me that's
0: fair that's fair all right, we have a couple very quick questions, uh, and then uh, the one in this podcast. So Christian Fitchett um, asked another question. Uh, assuming Reynoso is finalized, which I think we're gonna hear tomorrow, um, what is the next most urgent piece on this team? So he threw out a couple suggestions. Uh, number six protege, uh, striker, or left wing? <laughs> I think the left wing might be in jest, but uh, yeah. So assuming we have Reynoso uh, in the fold, we have De Bossi, um, what is the, uh what is the next priority for this team?
1: I think a lot of it depends on how they want to deploy Reynoso, right? Because yes, he is a number ten, but he typically played on the left side, yeah. so he may well be coming in for that left spot. In which case, do you think about adding a central ten? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but to me, this is this is a striker, you know, and it kills me because I want Mason Toy to get more time, more minutes. But if you think the window for this club. Uh, is pretty well tied to Icopara Parra and Ozzy Alonso. Yeah. That means it's it's kind of this year and next, maybe. Yeah, two years,
0: probably total.
1: And at which point, like, you can't count on Mason Toy to all of a sudden figure it out and become a top division striker. So, if you can go to South or Central America, you can buy that player. I think you got to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the question is is what is your what is your window? Which you just said. Um, and therefore, um, yeah, I think it's 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 gotta be a striker. Uh, it's gotta be a striker. If your window is like, okay, we think we can extend this a little bit longer. Um, we think toy is the answer, or maybe toy shows up in the next, you know, three to four weeks and just, it just puts on a clinic and, and says that he's the answer, right? Then it's like number six, um, finding a, a, a good solid number six that you can bring in to take over for Ozzy in, a year and a half or whatever so because I think it's really, not it, Dotson that's yes. keeps thinking it's Dotson and it's not no Dotson is a 10 Dotson Dotson could be your 10 if you if Re, especially if Reynoso is deployed on the left hand side Dotson could be your guy in, in that sort of number 10 role he's not the traditional number 10 right um that sort of playmaking kind of guy but he he does enough to to, to create chaos and to make plays so I mean, he won't be like the you know, super traditional number ten, but I think he definitely could be in that role. So
1: he certainly showed it against Dallas. Although again, yeah. low, low bar. Right.
0: Uh, all right, and our final question uh, is a, a fun question. Our friend uh, Silva Culture uh, Eric Silver on Twitter, um, considering the Salt Lake uh, shit show, and we know and we know contribute to shady conservative PACs and politicians. How do you get receipts? for the rest of the money bag. So players and fans can see how they are ideologically opposed to us and actively fund people against us. So Eric's question here is very much about um, you know, our, our ownership group. We have the thing with Minnesota United is that we have a very large ownership group um, and you know, we know that they're very, very well off, right? They've all made a lot of money. Um, we know some of those names. We know the Paul ad, uh Carlson Nelson, um, Dr. McGuire. Uh, Eric, the very simple answer to your question is opensecrets.com. <laughs> you can put these companies' names in, you can put these, these people's names in, and you can see who they've given to. And, you know, a lot of things, you know, we'll say, and in, in, in it's really, it's kind of fucked up, but the way our political system is set up is that, you know, these people who make a shit ton of money, they mostly donate to both Republicans and Democrats, right? There's not one party that is, um, unless you're like the Koch brothers. And even the Koch brothers donate to some Democrats, right? There may be... Democrats name only, um, but they do donate some money to Democrats um and to Democratic causes and things like that. Really it's people who make a shit ton of money have uh have a very vested interest in their money um not going away. And the best way to do that is by uh donating to politicians. So yeah, I mean I think our ownership group, compared to a lot of ownership groups, is actually pretty progressive. Um, you know, even Dr. McGuire is you know, for all the faults that he has and, and the things that he's done, he actually I think is is pretty receptive to some of the you know the red loons and the left leaning stuff that that this you know, the dark clouds and and the, the you know the rest of the support groups try to do. Um, you know, he's definitely not out there actively being a racist, at least not what I've seen. Um, I don't know behind the scenes, um, and uh, he's definitely he's engaged with the, those all the support groups, including people like the Red Loons. So um, that would be my kind of long answer to that question. Dan, do you have anything else you want to add? Good God, no.
1: I'd like to stay employed.
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, so you can always rate and review our podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, com. Again, that Patreon, patreon.com slash the days I know, at TDAKMN on Twitter. I'm at TexasL or Dan's at D-Wade, our good friends, we are not here tonight, MJ and Bill at MJ Matsui at Bill underscore McGuire. Um, yeah. Please uh, give us a follow, all that fun stuff. Dan, I uh, look forward to chatting with you next week, man. Have a, have a good week.
1: Yeah. You too. Uh, all right. How many points this week? Yeah.
0: Four. Or no three. I think Houston, I think we think we lose to Houston. So I think three points.
1: I'm still going one. Right. I, hope I, I hope I'm hope i wrong. I hope you're okay. the optimist on this. One. I hope, you,
0: hope you're wrong too. Alright, this has <laughs> been
1: the days you know. This is green <laughs> this has been the days I know. We, or,
0: sorry, we are the days you know. This is the days I know. To try and work it out, cause we both know we can't do nothing at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We did. We did. We do our thing, son. As long as you do yours, land here, but come flee, cunt. Yeah. Uh, we we yeah. do our things, son Do the act we attract to Hope to reach one uh, we, yeah. we, we do our things, Do it, we, 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 do, it. Uh. we do our things, son Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun It's mad work to be done uh, we, we, we do our uh, things, uh, things, son I, 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 I can't do nothing at all Yeah, I know we can't do nothing at all